What's up, gamers? Welcome to episode 23 of the Battle Milet Podcast. Uh, your trip with us on our annual journey to the Nova Open Convention, playing games that we love and balancing life with those games. Uh, as I said, this is episode 23, Quarantine Day 5. So we are fully in the social distancing practices uh, due to the coronavirus. Today's date is March 18th. Um, so this is where we find ourselves. Uh, my name is Jared Johnson, and I am coming to you from my recording studio slash hobby closet slash work from home office. And I am here with Trace Hyde. I like painting comic book characters. Danny Clemens. I ain't never wash my hands. Deal with it. <laughs> and Jason Table Dude Murray. Go reflector, go. Oh, <laughs> reflector. Go reflector. Uh, he was robbed on the Facebook page. Yeah, yeah, we'll have to link that. So, uh, yeah, so episode twenty-three of the podcast, uh, a few sections. So we want to talk a little bit about Marvel Crisis Protocol. So anybody that's been following us on social knows that we have been painting, and when I say we, I mean everyone but me. Um, so Danny, Trace, and Jason have all been painting some Marvel Crisis Protocol miniatures so we want to talk to danny a little bit about that uh we'll talk about the saga of the beast so the new gasgold model and ragnar Blackmane model and the box set that they come with um and then we've got a section on how to deal with the quarantine uh, but as usual before we jump into that we do want to catch up with what everybody's been up to so we'll start with trace sure thing um so let's see games played um, I have played three games of Age of Sigmar with Jared since the last time we recorded. Um, we worked through the Feast of Bones box, all the story missions in there, and I had a really good time doing that. It was a lot of fun. Um, all of the all of the Feast of Bones starter box are completely painted and based, and they look really good. Jared's are all painted and based, and his look really good. And yep. so we... Took some nice pictures and put them up on the Facebook page. Um, and then played a little bit of Underworlds um, <clears throat> since the last time we were here. Um, played a really terrible Reaver deck. It was awful. It was awful. It was terrible. Yeah. Anyway, that's in the past. But I've been painting a lot of... I have painted three of the Marvel Crisis Protocol box set um i have painted crossbones baron zemo and red skull and i'm doing them in this really like experimental comic book style which i'm really enjoying trying to wrap my head around because it basically breaks everything that you know about traditional painting take everything that you did all those nice little transitions and stuff you've done and just put black on it and (laughs) yeah just cover it in black. Just yeah, it's just very strange, um, but it turns out really cool, I think, and I'm I'm really enjoying the experiment of it. So yeah, I'm, that's most of what I've been doing. Um, I'm not really painted anything else. I've put together most of the Warcry terrain for the for the Soul Drain Forest. That's mostly put together. Jared and I use some of the ruins from that in our Age of Sigmar games, which it makes it makes a pretty nice little table filler. 
like yeah. all those little Good. bits on the on the table even if it is a bigger table it still looks really nice yeah having so, that little having a little bit of scatter terrain there just adds yeah. to like the feel of the game even if yeah. it doesn't have any meaning in the game and you just move it out of the way when you need to get a model there it yep. was really cool to see it yeah we out. just we just hand of godded it all over the place and you know if we needed to get to that spot we would just move the little scatter terrain because it was insignificant but yeah lots of fun um you know we'll get to the the quarantine stuff in a little bit so I'll, we'll touch on that a little later but um yeah so i've that's what i've been working on danny how about you uh, I assembled some of the most structurally unsound trebuchets in the history of mankind, thanks to Citadel Finecast. Wow. Nice. Cracked out <laughs> yeah, the super bought, uh, Oh, yeah. Yeah, bought two, two Gondor trebuchets for my Lord of the Rings army for Nova. And uh, they were... So this is weird. Curious thing, right? So they both arrived, same box, like same same package in the mail, separate um, like warehouse boxes, right? The little white Citadel miniatures boxes with the plastic trays inside, uh, and then the same exact models, same exact pieces, different sprues. Oh, that's funny. They were arranged slightly differently, and it was kind of off-putting. Um, so clearly they changed their production at some point on those. But uh, yeah, I've got a, I've got one as a, a real uh, Ace Ventura laces out wide right lean to it. Uh, but I don't think you'll notice when you're standing you know, six feet away. So that's that. Uh, but assembled those, assembled, assembled some wraiths on wings, as Gollum once put it. And uh Finally, finally got my hands on my beloved Guardians of the Galaxy from Marvel Crisis Protocol. So I got Star-Lord, Rocket, and Groot all assembled and put together this week. And then a little progress painting my Hulkamaniac, the Hulk. Nice. Yeah, it's been good. It's been a fruitful quarantine so far, but I can feel myself already going a little bananas. So I'm, I'm sure I will go into a, a hobby hibernation real quick. Yeah. I'm like I'm like a little kid. I had hobby sugar and I'm gonna have a hobby sugar crash. <laughs> did you try putting that trebuchet into like hot water and bending it? Oh yeah. Yeah, I did I did all those things. I did that. I, I've I'm but I might end up using one of Sarah's hair dryers to try to go at it, but they just like it it's not as bad, but it still just kind of springs somewhat back. Like if if when I took it out of the sprue that was one hundred percent bend. We're kind of hanging at around like thirty percent bend now. Oh, and you flashed it's better, but it's you still... flashed in like cold ice water after you heated it up, right? Yep. Whoa, that actually, hot. so like that actually like brought it back. Like it's got a memory. Yeah, that's frustrating. Wow. Yeah, it's no fun, especially for like an insanely overpriced model too. Those like these little tiny trebuchets, I think cost almost as much as it would cost me to buy like uh Abaddon. Oh, wow. oh wow. I think they're like 55 or something like that. I mean, I, if only I had the tool. Yeah. I have the internet in front of me. Well, you least... a baller. You fancy and you rich cause you rich. <laughs> yeah. It's because this is like my one purchase I'll make all year. Yeah. Other than 
all of the Marvel Crisis Protocol miniatures that get released between now and the rest <laughs> of the year. Shush, easy, easy now. In his brand I, new house with a gaming table, you know. <laughs> but yeah, you're right. It's the only you're one. Right. It's the only so, thing you'll buy this year. Yeah, it's good. All right, all right, okay. Now I'm feeling good. So thank you for putting a little <laughs> gas in my tank. Uh, so let's play a little Prices Right. Uh oh. Who wants to guess the price of a Gondor trademark battle trebuchet? Forty six ninety seven. Okay, Jared. Oh, um, forty nine dollars. Okay, and Jason. One dollar. Oh, I was hoping <laughs> to go last. Jared wins. It's fifty seven dollars and seventy five cents. Holy crap, man! <laughs> and I bought two of the some. Oh, Danny. Yeah, 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 yeah. But the thing wow. is, like, most of my most of my Lord of the Rings army came at dirt cheap from secondhand shopping, so it's not too bad. Yeah, well, that helps. Well, you done made up for it now, brother. <laughs> and then some. <laughs> How about you, Jared? Uh, so I painted gas racks to spoilers. Um, so and I threw those up on the socials. Uh, the picture's not the best quality, but just. Uh, I've I've really enjoyed the Underworld's Warbands because they're maybe models that I don't play with all the time, so I'm not as invested in their paint job, but it kind of frees me to experiment with either different colors or different techniques, uh, just trying different things like layering the contrast paints on top of base coats instead of on top of just primer, mm-hmm. um, which, is, which has been cool. It's been fun. Uh, and then I have started working on... Rothgorn's Van Trappers. So um, I have a, a paint scheme in mind for that. I think it's been around uh, a little bit, but I'm going to see if I can replicate it a little bit. Anybody that's familiar with uh, Final Fantasy VII will recognize immediately the similarities between uh, Thrafnir and Red 13, and certainly okay. not the first person to notice that. I think I've seen that paint job out there before, and uh, Max from the Battle for Salvation podcast called out that paint scheme as well um so i can't take credit for it but i um, am painting rothcorn up as barrett from final fantasy 7 which means that he has a metal arm and then i'm just trying to match like the color tones from his sprite uh on the model itself so just kind of experimenting out with that and seeing how that goes uh and then i think that's it i built a bone tithe nexus so I'll be able to get the name of that model right, as opposed to the Blood Skull, Gore, Throne, Altered, Dias, whatever that thing is for the Blades of Corn that I painted last year. Mm-hmm. So, and it is, it is a big old Nexus. Like that is a large piece of infaction terrain. So uh, I was surprised that I did not have to use rubber bands, but it's not quite a drop pod. So. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> So that was good. Um, and I, I think that's been it on the hobby front. Um, yeah. And then just playing games. So like Trace mentioned, we played through the uh, Tithe of Bones uh, kind of narrative campaign. And it was a lot of fun. So Trace came over to the house. We had the book. Um, I read like the narrative intro before every mission. And then we set up the missions and kind of played through them. It was cool because we played three separate games of Age of Sigmar in one night. Uh, They're designed to kind of end quickly. Um, The Ogors won the day, uh, taking two out of 
three of the missions, but uh, it was a lot of fun. Uh, And um, it was just cool to play something kind of thematic and not playing something with a, like a tailored list that's, you know, designed to be fully optimal. It's really just a list that is designed to be part of and help tell a story. Uh, And that was really cool. And it was a good reminder of kind of what got me into uh, gaming, what got me into um, like 40K in general was the idea of kind of telling a story with miniatures. Uh, And on that vein, um, kind of been going down the rabbit hole on the Dungeons and Dragons front. I'm trying to go Jason into picking a race and a class and and figure out what he wants to do there and and building the party. So Trace is going to be playing that. And then my brother Justin is going to be playing that with us in Nova. So we're going to see if we can get characters lined up and maybe run some sessions before Nova to get used to the game and stuff like that. I think that's it. How's that? How's that going? Goading me into giving you information. Is it, is it going well? I think so. Yeah. You tell more than you know, Jason. I mean, so far you've, you've gotten that. I want to be a paladin with two swords and a shield. Then I wanted to, you know, heal people. And then I was like, well, I just want to be this large person with a crossbow, uh, an axe or a sword, a shield, and a falcon sitting on my left shoulder. And then I switched roles and said I just want to be the Beastmaster from the movie Beastmaster because it's amazing. You'll change your mind three more times, at least, (laughs) before we settle on one. That's just normal D&D, man. So we're making progress. But I, I will say this about the conversations that we've had, and I think that this is probably a problem that comes from playing games competitively, is that I think the best way to play Dungeons & Dragons is to figure out what you want your character to be, and then just let the numbers be what the numbers are, which is basically what you said uh, in our chat session. So um, kudos to you for calling, uh, calling us out on that, and I, I think going forward that in, in light of the uh, tie the bones playing through the story missions is let the characters tell a story. And then if the character is optimized, great. If it's not great, just have fun playing the character um, diving into the universe and just enjoying ourselves. Well, good. I'm glad I could bring us back into reality. Yeah. Something or something. Alternate I reality. Somebody say the best way to play Dungeons and Dragons or that kind of game is to make a character with a death wish. Yeah. Because then yep. you just are constantly trying to just do crazy shit. And when you survive, it's like, how did he do that? And then you just keep going until you die. Yeah. You, just, you basically make Go Trek. Yep. Go Trek and Fe- Go Trek and Felix. Yep. That could work. So uh, yeah. I so mean, that's you- what. You really, you really have no idea what you guys are in for at all. Because, like, you know, when I said last episode, I've never played an RPG. Like, I've played RPG video games, and yeah, we've played Blackstone Fortress, and and you know, I have fun and goof around. But I literally have never played an RPG RPG, and it is very difficult for me to think about those stats because I really don't care. Like, I just, you know, if I am a paladin and you know, there's been talks of me being the voice of the party. Like, it's going to be on, like, Donkey Kong. And I am going to be such a, like, holy zealot. You're not going to like it. Like, 
I will either kill everyone or save everyone at the detriment of my party. Like it, there's only one way or the wrong way. That's it. And that's why you need to play a paladin anyway. <laughs> Smite be. And I'm bringing, I am totally bringing beanbags to Nova. Oh and God. When I cast my healing. I'm going to throw it at you. Lightning bolt. Lightning bolt. Lightning that's bolt. exactly. Sleep. <laughs> Sleep. <laughs> It'll be great. So, um, yeah, so I guess this, uh, it's a good time to transition. Jason, what you been up to? Way to transition as I take a drink of my drinky drink. drink. Nice. Um, well, we don't have videos, so how are we supposed to know that? <laughs> well, you know, someday. Uh, been up to a lot, as always. Uh, like everyone else, uh, uh, Marvel Crisis Protocol has, you know, kind of rejuvenated my hobby um, side. So I have assembled every model, well, almost every model, until I picked up some more this week. Oops. Um, but I have, like, all the the starter set, All every single every single model is assembled except Star-Lord and Groot. Uh, and one tanker truck or dump truck, whatever I want, decided to build it as. Um, you know, been obviously staying up to speed on my Underworlds, have had some fantastic games. Uh, staying with my New Year's resolution, I'm trying to play all all the factions or all the models that I have now p- painted. Uh, so still on the Farce Riders track, uh, I really am enjoying them. They're not the greatest. They're not terrible, but they're not greatest. the greatest. Uh, you know, the plink damage is real. Uh, when they inspire, which is probably the hardest thing, is having them survive until they inspire. Um, you know, they become very beefy. Uh, they have solid aggro, but they're they're just lacking at the top end where a lot of the aggro warbands are. But still, I have not had the, an unenjoyable game with them since maybe the first time I tried them. Um, I had a, a wonderful game against a very optimized Reaver deck and this player <laughs> named Trace um, with my Skaven. Uh, and honestly, all joking aside, although Trace's deck was not the greatest fine-tuned machine as we would all like it to be. It was probably the most fun two games of Underworlds that I've had in a long time because Trace and I were at the shop just hamming it up. Super goofballs. Super stupid. It was uh, lots of laughs were had. Um, But Skaven are fun. Uh, You know, they play very similar to, you know, my Sepulchral Guard. Just they're fast and they come back and... You know, Scritch is the greatest. Yes, yes. Uh, so been enjoying that, getting those painted models on on the board. And then I've also played Reavers. And then I, um, you know, my Reavers jank is still fun. And then most importantly, I had a cam game with Steven um, from our play group. Uh, and he played the dreaded Grimwatch. Uh, and I played my Lady Mournflight, like the, the, the real deck, I guess you'd say. The kind of like the one that I was prepping for any major tournaments that may be coming up and uh holy slugfest my brain still hurts it's been about a week and a half now and uh he took game one really handedly with with the grim watch and i may have gotten a little salty which sorry steven uh but then the next two games i was able to battle back just by altering my game plan uh one game the dice went really really hot for me and then the third game he missed a five dice attack on my defend, uh, 
crit defense, and that swung the game in the last turn, and I was able to pull it out. So um, been having a lot of fun there. And I think the most shocking thing for our listeners, uh, if you're following the socials and the Facebooks and, and the Twitter, because I can't get anything to post to Instagram here lately, it says something about business thing that doesn't like me, hates me. Um, uh, I've been painting. So I cranked out the Hulk for Marvel Crisis Protocol, and now I am 90% done with Venom. I'm at a, do I do more or do I just base it and say I'm done? Um, but that'll probably be finished tonight, and we'll move on to the next. This Sarah's probably going to join me for her first tutorial in painting Red Skull. Oh, that's exciting. Step that, one, his skull is red. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you, you know, it's really, it was my first dive into contrast paints, and I know we've talked about contrast paints here before, but, you know, the they're great. They uh, I highly recommend them, but, you know, there's two things. If you don't have a continuous brush stroke, you know, you can start to pull lines, and then if you go back and go over it after it dries and you can no longer manipulate that wet color, it's going to darken the color, which can help you like with venom i went back and was able to just like do some recesses to kind of darken the recesses more um but for a new painter like sarah like if i know her she's going to go back and try to like do that one little piece that she missed which can totally throw off kind of the way that the contrast works to fill in all the you know crevices and pull from top to bottom so you know it'll be fun to you know to to teach her that and you know she really wants to paint the the Marvel stuff for me, so we'll see how it goes. Nice. It'll be fun. It'll be good. Yeah. So Bonding experience. Yeah. So painting comic books miniatures by Trace. Painting yep. comic books miniatures by Danny. Check. Painting comic books miniatures by Jason. Mm-hmm. And one of these things is not like the other, uh, which is going to lead us into our next section where I ask Danny questions about Marvel Crisis Protocol. So we'll take a break and we'll be right back. And we're back. And Danny, I have questions. I might have answers, no promises. Okay. Well, I mean, they don't have to be the right answers. You could just give me answers. I think that works. I will so, definitely have some of those. Okay, sweet. <laughs> Perfect. Um, so we signed up for this thing where we're going to all play Marvel Crisis Protocol at Nova. And you own minis, and Trace owns minis, and Jason owns minis, but I don't own minis. So what have I we need talked about me, that yet today? I don't know. I, I think so. I think it's come up. <laughs> It seems like it might be a problem. Yeah, I think I think so. And so this is what I need from you is I uh, I need to know what's what what's great about this game and what's not great about this game and why I should buy it and and am I going to be able to play it with my wife? All right. Well, I've got three three choices for you, my friend. You can choose your own adventure in the theme of this Dungeons and Dragons podcast that we now have. Would you like to hear the cons first, the pros first, or the joys that I had playing it with my wife? Ooh. Um, let's start with the pros. The pros. All right. 
easy up front. It's got cool miniatures. Like, simple as that. There are a bunch yeah. of comic book characters rendered in 3D. You can't be upset with that. Some of them are super fiddly, super complex, and sometimes an absolute nightmare to build. The instructions are not numbered, so you kind of have to just look at the pieces or go online and find the PDF that does have it numbered. <sighs> but once you've got them together, they are really some pretty lovely models. Uh, some of the ones that stand out to me, I think Hulk is a brilliant model. I think Captain Marvel is a brilliant model. I'm pretty biased there. Got a big soft spot for little Miss Carol Danvers, but I still think the miniature is pretty cool. Black Panther model is awesome. Rocket and Groot are both great, and I really enjoyed Star-Lord as well. Okay. So it's, cool models. It's got cool models. It's uh, has what I'm calling contained stats. There's not a lot of stacking variables or buffs. It's not like bubble hammer like we've got going on. It's every character does exactly what it does kind of regardless of the situation there are in-game effects like stagger that will like limit their amount of actions they can take in a game or the amount of power they can gain in a in a turn but all in all like if a move is a strength eight move like it's rolling eight dice or you're going to add dice to it it's not like oh, all right well this is strength four but it's going against a guy who's toughness a bajillion so guess what it does nothing now like it always does what the card says it does. And that's kind of a nice, clean, and refreshing take on a tabletop game, I think. Yeah, I like that. Uh, it has a really cool system for critical hits. Basically, when you roll a critical, what that does is it just adds another dice to your dice roll. So if you roll five dice and one of them's a critical, you roll a six dice and that's added to your pool. Okay. And I think that makes crits pretty exciting and variable, but in a meaningful way. It's not like, oh, well, this is an attack that you just can't save. It's like, oh, this is another chance for another uh, fun and exciting moment of rolling dice, which is kind of the whole point of these kind of games at the end of the day. Right. To counter that, there's hard failures. You have a one in eight chance to roll a little skull on your dice. And when you roll one of those skulls, it can't be modified or re-rolled. It's a dead dice. Oh. Okay. which is kind of nice because that I think kind of balances out the additional dice of crits. You have a very hard loss and a very uh, tangible win. And I think that's kind of a, a cool part of the game. Uh, you also have template based movement. So you don't have to bust out the old nerd tape measure. You have little pieces of plastic and this is exactly how far you move or you can move any uh, length along the template and it makes gauging distances pretty quick and snappy. Like if this is a range three attack, I hold my range three template. If it touches, we're in. There's no like, oh, I got to, oh, is it 24? Is it 72? And like you have pull the thing out. It's like, no, it's one, two, three, four, five. That's, that's yeah. all you got. And it, that's pretty, pretty nice. Uh, the terrain is all interactive for the most part. Uh, pretty much anything on the table can be thrown or destroyed or climbed over. And, uh, it creates this kind of cool, clean system for getting cover where like as long as you're outside of range two and the attack touches a piece of terrain and you are not taller than that piece of terrain, guess what? You got cover, cover my guy. And you nice. know what happens with cover? You just get to take one of your dice and it just becomes a success. Oh, cool. So like if you <laughs> need to get four successes, you got one baked in. 
then, like we kind of talked about earlier, I think uh, the game has done a really good job so far of creating really unique flavors for the characters, uh, despite the fact that almost every character has the same basic attack, that's the strike attack, they're almost all the same, but then beyond that, they really kind of function and operate in a really cool thematic way, like Rocket and Groot are separate characters, but they really work together as a pair, where Groot just automatically defends against Rocket, uh, Captain America has his shield and he obviously like buffs the people around him in the sense of like, if you're, if you have Captain America in your team, your powers all cost one less. And then Captain Marvel has this really fun mechanic where she can absorb the energy from energy attacks and then pop into her binary mode and basically just become a murder beast. Nice. And Star-Lord has a really fun mechanic where he can completely forego uh, the use of tactic cards by just throwing tactic cards away and gaining winging it tokens. And when he burns a winging it token, he gets to reroll two dice, which I think is pretty fun and thematic uh, for the old Star Lord. And like so it. every character just kind of has a really fun, unique flair and feeling to it. Um, and I said tactic cards. Tactic cards are fun. They're little variables in every game. You get five of them. They can be specific to your characters they can be generic things like a healing card but they're all open knowledge you know what five cards i have i know what five cards cards you have and have good situational usefulness and then you ready for the piece de resistance yes the thing you love most about tabletop games jared what's that has alternating activations yes (laughs) that's my comprehensive and not at all five minutes thought out list of pros from crisis protocol nice no, i think there's a lot to like there are you ready for the the cloud yeah yeah give the me the cloud let's do the cloud hands down the worst rule book i've ever seen in any game ever uh-huh. wait wait it wait is... wait is it hold on is it it's seriously worse than the blackstone fortress rule books it is because at what? least like the blackstone fortress books like if you're looking for, I don't know, uh, saving rolls, there's a section in the book called saving rolls, and there's all okay. the rules. In this book, there's literally a section that's called setting up the battlefield or setting up a game or something like that. And it doesn't tell you what range the characters are supposed to be to the board edge. It doesn't tell you how many team tactic cards you're supposed to take. I literally, when researching these notes, spent 20 minutes trying to find how many team tactic cards I'm supposed to have. Nice. I couldn't find it. I still can't find it. I have no idea where it is. Is it PDF the same way? No. So that's what I was going to say. I, I know that I found this information because when Sarah and I played, we had it, right? And I remember reading it, but I could not find it in the rule book. And so I went on to the online PDF, and the online PDF is restructured, and it is a lot better. But okay. again, I think that's two pretty hard misses when your printed rule book and your printed uh, uh, miniature instructions are that deeply flawed it yeah. seems like a like a, a forced an unforced error to me the missions are cool in the sense that like every game is built collaboratively uh you bring like a, things like three blue missions and i bring three red missions you pick the blue i pick the red and they become like overlapping missions so 
Uh, it could be there's three humans in the middle of the field and you have to figure out which one's the scroll. And the other one could be like there's four vials of super soldier serum and we need to defend them. And those are both the ongoing uh objectives of the missions and i think it's pretty cool that we both get to pick half of it so that way if you have a team that's really built around like take and hold you can make half of the objectives that way um but the missions are all kind of boring and plain they all kind of boil down to like hold this carry that or discover those and that's basically it okay somewhat uninspiring okay also tokens hey dog heard you like tokens so i got you tokens so you could token while you token your tokens uh, there are no. so many flipping tokens in this game it's out of control you got every turn your characters gain power tokens every turn your characters will probably gain damage tokens uh you got stunned here's a stun token up oh, they moved here's an activation token uh you scored a point move your your team token the round changed move the round token is it your turn first take the priority token tokens <laughs> so many tokens. tokens but i will say this it is pretty nice the tokens that you do get because they have gone to the extra effort of making uh custom tokens for new characters so like okay. um, with the black panther box set you get objective tokens for there's a mission about i think protecting the heart-shaped herb and the tokens have pictures of the heart-shaped herb and groot has a thing where he can root other characters and his root tokens look like roots and so instead of just giving you generic like oh this is a an effect token they actually have gone to the distance to print thematic and custom tokens which is nice there's just a metric crap ton of them okay okay gonna throw a curveball at you tactic cards they're on here again they're on cards oh. this time <laughs> what uh, you can't for- do this i'm so confused <laughs> right are they good are they bad you decide next time on Dragon Ball Z. Uh, <laughs> sorry, couldn't help it. Uh, <laughs> so the the tactic cards are great where they are now. This is more of a thing where I have a mild concern that the tactic card pool is growing extremely quickly. Every time a character is released, there's a couple more cards added to the tactic card pool. And I think if they keep going at this rate, it could almost certainly lead to either over complexifying complexity, the over complication or the over complication of the game or lead to a series of cards that become like, these are the must take cookie cutter builds where like, these are the five best cards. They're incredibly good in every situation. Everybody has all five. Um, So that's kind of more of like a warning. Uh, And then my last kind of major criticism of the game is while all the characters are clearly lovingly crafted and have very unique flavors, uh, I think the game can really feel uh, less like a team of superheroes and more like a collection of individuals on the tabletop, which is kind of a bummer because the game really builds itself a lot as like, you get to make your own team of villains and heroes and path and make your own path in the Marvel universe. And it's true. Like you can do that. If you really have a soft spot for Ultron, but you also like the Avengers, like you could throw them in there. That's cool. Do your thing, dog. But the characters don't really interact a ton. Uh, So it sometimes just feels like you've got just a bunch of 
individuals wandering around smacking things in the head. There are cool cards in the tactic cards that kind of force interactions. Like uh, there's the ricochet blast, which is when uh, Iron Man uses his blaster off of Tony's shield or off of Cap's shield. And then you can shoot stuff like around a corner and that feels very cool. Uh, There's deadly duo, which allows rocket to shoot like three extra times because Groot is protecting him. And that's, that feels thematic, but for the most part, everybody just kind of goes and does their own thing, which is good because you don't have, you know, a lot of overpowered combinations that break the game, which I would prefer to kind of air towards that, but it does sometimes feel like a bit of a missed opportunity to create more of these meaningful interactions between characters. Okay. And that's all I got for cons. So you scared out of it? No, I, th- I think I think I'm still in. All right. Uh, like so, the cons actually sound very reminiscent of a new game, right? Like the games, other than the one that like they might be too complex with the tactic cards. A lot of those cons, like lo- that stuff, should get fleshed out as the game grows and seasons. Yeah, for sure. And that's always a uh, something to consider, right? Like these games are growing; they're living; they're going to be you know, they have a pipeline of years ahead of them. It just also feels sometimes like, especially things like the rule book where you pay so much for this box. Like it's, is it the world's most expensive game? No, but it's not an insignificant amount of cash. Excuse me. (laughs) The virus it's here, boys. It's coming to you. I was going to edit that out, but (laughs) I'm going to sanitize my hands right now. sanitize your ears ladies and gentlemen um but like you pay all this money for these boxes and then you get a a completely bunk rule book like that that doesn't feel good you know uh so there is i think some some value criticism to these things but i do think a lot of them will probably smooth out over time okay so can i play it with my wife can you play it with your wife there's so many jokes I want to make right now, Jared. You're teeing me up. I know. I'm, I'm, I'm trying. I'm just family softballing show. them up. Just <laughs> a family show. Just. Well, I'm just I, I'm above it. I'm above it. Okay. You can play this with your wife. I've played it with my wife. She has never really played a tabletop uh, miniatures game. She plays plenty of board games with me, but uh, this is usually kind of one step too far into the nerd pool. But she was the catalyst for buying this game. She really wanted this game because she just wanted to have Marvel miniatures. And she was super stoked on that idea. And so we finally got around to truly playing the game. We played like a kind of a half game, like, hey, let's wrap our heads around this idea of moving figures around a board and objectives. And we kind of bailed after three turns because I could tell she was kind of getting overloaded. And so uh, earlier this week, we decided, like, let's sit down and let's play this game and we spent like a good afternoon really working on it. And so I do think if your wife has no uh, kind of basis in tabletop gaming, it is an investment of time. You're going to have to sit down and kind of go through each character that she has. I'm like, all right, these are your five characters. Captain America has these two basic attacks, these three superpowers and this leadership ability. And she's going to go, what? <laughs> And then you go, and then he has a physical defense of this and a energy defense of this and a mystic defense of this and a strength of this and a height of that. And he moves this far and he costs this much. And then she's going to 
pass out. Okay. So you kind of have to sit back and kind of say, all right, let's just take a look at Black Panther. And this is this is what his attacks do. Let's pretend that we have this situation in the game and just kind of demo it. Demo the crap out of almost every character. Because okay. if she doesn't have an idea of what each character is good at, it's not going to be a fun play experience. Because, like I said, they are so individualistic. It's not like chess where it's like, oh, there's five basic things and that's what they all do. This is each character has like five things that they do and some things they're good at and some things they're really bad at. And so if you are willing to invest that time, which took us maybe like an hour, hour and a half to kind of break down each character, then once you get the game going, it moves really well. It has a really good cinematic value and it is simple enough for this kind of game that once you get in the flow of it, it doesn't take a lot of training or kind of learning to get your head around. And it has a great selling point, right? Like you have Marvel characters that are approachable characters that everybody knows from pop culture and you have expectations, right? Like if she knows that, you know, Iron Man has the cool little like blasters, like before you know it, she's going to be moving Iron Man around the table being like and blasting stuff. Like that's, she's going to be making those noises. Right. And the game facilitates that. And that's a great thing. Like when Sarah and I played, there were two, I think, really key moments of the game. And one of them was I had Groot and Rocket and they were holed up on this one objective for the whole game. And she had sent Spider-Man and Captain Marvel to dislodge them. And Groot kept defending his little buddy and absorbing the damage and healing himself. And finally it got late in the game and Groot got impatient and Groot had enough of soaking up damage and had gained enough power to drop his big move. He yelled out, I am Groot and just wailed on Captain Marvel, hitting her with a, like a 10 dice attack that threw her into a building, destroyed it, which was against the rules, but it's your own game. The fun police aren't coming. Pick up the table. He threw her through the building. It's cool. And it knocked her out, and it left Spider-Man all by himself, where Rocket was able to then use that deadly duo card and shoot three times with his plasma rifle and take Peter Parker out. And it was like, this is awesome. Like, this is, this is what... Like, this is a cinematic moment, right? This is Groot right. just, like, going bananas like he did in the movie, in the kiln, and then Rocket climbing up on his shoulder with his little gun and just being, like, and just mowing everything down. Like, this feels right. Yep. Then later in the game, Sarah kind of had her back up against the wall, partly because of that I am Groot maneuver. And she pulls out this tactic card, which I was genuinely proud of because Lord knows I am terrible at keeping track of these cards, which might be why I have my issues with tactic cards. But she, she's like, oh, I'm going to play Wakanda forever. And I was like, all right, well, if you're going to play Wakanda forever, you got to do it right. And so I made her made her shout Wakanda forever, like old school GW WOG style. Like if you're going to play right. it, <laughs> you're going to play it right. And so she crossed her arms, yelled out Wakanda forever. And what that card did was it allowed all of her characters that were alive in that turn to basically get one free attack and oh, so nice. captain marvel got a free attack black panther got a free attack shuri and okoye both got free attacks and once that was all over black panther then had his two regular actions where he got to just go bananas and it bullied star lord and iron man off of an objective 
And at the time, it was like, damn, like that was impressive. But that ended up actually winning the game for her because she won that game 11 to 10. If I had held that objective, we would have tied. And so like you had this cool moment where literally like Black Panther yelled out Wakanda forever. All of his buddies went bananas and completely mowed down Star-Lord and Iron Man and won them the game. Like, how cool is that? I like it. That's awesome. I'm sold. So there you go. Like, I think it can be done. I just think it takes a lot of legwork. And so it's not like we're going anywhere these next, like, 100 years. We're all locked indoors for the foreseeable future. That's right. I say give it a go. I like it. I think I will. But now you got to buy a box. you got to leave your store or leave your house for that. So. Well, Atomic Empire and Durham is doing curbside pickup. So I'll Aren't order they, from them and They're drive the up. And they'll just hand it to me in my car. I genuinely cannot express how much I love that store. Yeah, it's a really cool store. It's really far away, though. Since I'm not, not for me. driving to work anymore. Um, cool. Well, I mean, I was excited just by the miniatures before, but... Um, now now you've definitely got my interest um so thanks for taking the time to uh kind of lay that all out for us Danny. so um yeah so i guess look for one more uh phase of of mcu miniatures to be coming through the socials soon um mm-hmm. and with that we'll take a break and we'll be right back all right I'm not on this podcast very often. You know, I miss my fair share of episodes. So this week, you're going to hear a lot from me. Because now, we're going to talk a little bit about the Saga of the Beast. The newest box set released by, well, being released by Games Workshop in the very near future. Featuring an incredible model of Grazgul Thraka and Ragnar Blackmane. And a new chapter in the Psychic Awakening story. And I have some thoughts, but before we get going, I wanted to know, guys, do you want to play a little fun game that I just invented? Oh, no. Well, this is a a podcast about games, so yes. All right, that's two. Jason, you don't get a vote. Oh, okay. This game is called... You want to know what? You can buy my vote for $1,000. Well, I already told you I bought a house and stuff. I'm basically broke, so... (laughs) <laughs> this game is called can you guess what year this miniature was released Ooh. all right okay. the very first miniature we're going to talk about i guess we need we need a footnote we're not going to talk about the brand new releases we're talking about let's let's pretend we're in the summer of 2019 summer of 2019 and now put your mind in that space we're getting ready to go to nova uh it's hot um, I can't think of any pop culture references. I think Salt Bay was a thing, so let's pretend that Salt Bay is a thing. Okay. And it's summer 2019. What year was the last time? What year was Drazar released, Jared? Drazar. Oh gosh. Um. 1996. Bruh. Wrong. Trace. <sighs> 1993. <laughs> what the? Very wrong. <laughs> Jason, what is going on? Oh my lord! Uh, so that's 20 years. Um, I will say 
91. Bruh. No, 2000. You guys 2000. are going to be. Jazar is going to be offended, guys. You think he's like 100 years old. He's only 20. Okay, okay. He, like. That Jazar was released in 2000 uh, after the uh, the Dark Eldar Codex in 1998. Okay. Uh, he's about 20 years old, and just to kind of put that in perspective, he's basically just becoming an upperclassman in college. Okay. Gazgul. When do you think the last time a Gazgul miniature was released? Uh, I'm gonna go with 96 again. 96. Come on. Mm. <laughs> nope. Uh, Trace. 98. <laughs> Jason. Uh, 94. <laughs> 2000. Same year. Okay. Oh, <laughs> Codex Armageddon. Uh, Gazgul's released. He had a miniature before that, uh, kind of from the old, like, second edition stuff. Uh, but... Year 2000, we're all worried about uh, Carson Daly, whether he's leaving TRL. That's when Gazgul came out. And he's basically old enough to get drunk now, which is a thing. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, so let's go to the next one. Jane Czar. Jane Czar, Jared. What year do you think Jane Czar was last released? I'm, I'm going to go with 2000, Bob. <laughs> oh. 1993. <laughs> I think that's too old. Jason. Bruh. 99. <laughs> 1994. It came out with the second edition Eldar Codex. Oh my gosh. Put that in perspective, over 30% of graduate students in the United States are ranged 25 to 30 years old. Jane Zar is a grad student, guys. Oh my gosh. Came out in second edition. That's six editions ago. Six editions. Ragnar, last one. Oh, gosh. oh, this this is like he's like old school, like straight yeah. one piece. Yeah, ninety one. Oh my gosh, Trace. Mm. Oh, ninety one was too old. Ninety two. Yay! Nineteen ninety-two. Trace gets it. Circle gets a square. During Rogue Trader, that miniature was initially released during Rogue Trader before there was even a Space Wolves Codex. They did re-release him in third edition, but literally all they did was change his backpack. The rest of the miniature is a hundred percent the same. The average age of marriage in the United States is twenty-eight years old. Ragnar, he's getting married this year, boys. Nice. Put it in perspective, Marnie's Calgar has had three miniatures since the last time Ragnar had a miniature. Oh my gosh. Danny, I think that this was pre-planned, sir. Yeah, just a little. <laughs> I think you just made this game up. <laughs> uh, I'm just really good like that, okay? Now, what is this all about? What's my point here? What, what do all of these things have in common? Who can string these things together for me, boys? Um... These were all new miniatures. Everybody, all all new miniatures because now we're fast forwarding to March of 2020. We've seen the release of Blood of the Phoenix. We see the pre-release for Prophecy of the Wolf, and we now live in a world where there's a brand new Drazar model, a brand new Jane Zar model, a brand new Gazgul model, and a brand new Ragnar model. 
And on the surface, boy, does that feel good, right? Like, oh, yeah. new plastic crack. They are gorgeous models, every single one of them, due to the, the, the credit of the Games Workshop designers. They've outdone themselves once again. They're, they're amazing. But personally, I have a pretty big issue with the way they've chosen to release these miniatures. As we talked about, Drazar didn't have Drazar and Gazgul didn't have models for 20 years. Janezar for uh, 26 years, and Ragnar for 28 years. And once they finally got remodeled, they were not released individually. They were released as captives to these large box sets. And personally, I think what it's doing is taking advantage of really loyal fans because if you're a fan of somebody who like if you're a guy who has that old 1992 ragnar model and you're still doing games workshop stuff you're not going anywhere and they know that games workshop knows they've got you and so instead of just doing you a solid and be like check it out here's our new ragnar model that's going to cost you 40 dollars anyway which let's not even get into that we're going to then put him in a box for 170 dollars that's filled with 50% of models that you can't even use. And I get it, like these things are billed as like a combo box. It's like, these are great to start the hobby or to split with your friend and make a bunch of savings, which is not untrue, but the people who already have a Space Marine collection, like that's not what's going to happen. Most of these people are gonna just buy this box up front for the expediency of having it now. And to do all those things, like to split it up, A, requires a friend who has an equal interest in the opposing faction. Like there's – like everybody has friends in this hobby, but we don't have a friend that plays orcs. Like, true. We, like we don't have any friends that play Eldar or Dark Eldar. And so like if you wanted one of these characters, like you need to have a friend that has the other box or you're ponying up all of that money. And out front, like that doesn't sound like a big deal. This is an expensive hobby. It's a luxury. I get it. But like, let's break it down. The Blood of the Phoenix box costs two hundred and thirty dollars retail. Drazar by himself is forty dollars, and the brand new Incubi set was fifty five dollars. That's ninety five bucks. So just for new stuff, you're paying like hundred and forty extra dollars just to get the two new kits. But then if you are kind of generous and you say, yeah, but I could also use the Venom, the Hellions, and the Scourges. That gets you another $95, so $190. Bucks. You're still paying a $40 premium just to get the new miniatures. Same thing with Jane Czar. You're paying a $35 premium just to get the brand new Jane Czar and Howling Banshees kits. And sure, that's not the end of the world money, but that's that's unnecessary spending. That is, in my opinion, predatory spending because that box came out on the 19th of October of 2019. They just released those models as individual kits on the 7th of March. That's 20 weeks, 140 days. So you either have the choice of waiting 140 days and buying just the miniature you want or paying a $40 premium plus the tax of a bunch of models that you probably didn't need or want in the first place to get the new model when it came out. And that feels to me like a very, very unfair and grimy business practice because not only do these things take advantage of a captive player base and are unnecessary expenses 
Games Workshop doesn't really explain or announce that these miniatures will be released at a later date. They're always like, get the new model. It's in this box. They don't say, and then in 20 weeks, you can buy it by itself. And I get it. Like, there's absolutely an effort for Games Workshop to put the most kind of quote-unquote value into these boxes as they can. Like, yes, they are operating at a net loss on the box itself, and they put in the campaign books and decals and sometimes dice, but it's an offering that's designed to squeeze money out of people because it's trying to get people who only want one thing to buy 10 other things to gain access to that one thing. And the fact that it's happening more and more frequently, I think is really a bad look for Games Workshop. And it has further taken the wind out of my sails on this psychic awakening spiel that they're on because you know what's going to happen next is that fabius bio kit is going to be wrapped up in some other it's the war of the spider or whatever they're calling it like that'll be another box so you want the new fabius we won't see him released by himself until christmas time hmm. and that's all i have to say about that well <clears throat> i mean you're not wrong right like i mean I would be, I guess I would be the first to say in like my 40k heyday, which is really up to the, you know, this year, I would be the first to be in line to buy the new boxes. I think the, the point that resonates the most for me on, on your soapbox there is the fact that they're happening all the time. Um, like I understand it. It's a business model. Like they, they're constantly competing against their sales for last year. Uh, there's a lot of business decisions that, like that go into putting those out, and plus, they have to maximize profits on every mold. Oh, not absolutely! Just new, not just the new molds, but the old one molds too. And but I do get like the fact that we're getting, let's just say, two to three of these, you know, a year now. It it definitely feels like okay, like I've had enough. And where this box in particular now, like Gaz's model is probably the best model they've done like it like i'm not an orc fan, amazing but like you just look at that bad boy and it's like whole holy cow like it's on par with the sisters the sisters release and his like 40k models are are really moving forward but the the rest of the box i mean like the orcs is all old stuff it's like if you're an orc player you probably have that in spades like it's just stuff that you have <laughs> like, and then yeah, like, I, I couldn't agree more. And then so I actually kind of broke down what you expect this box. Like, so Prophecy of the Wolf is going to retail for 170 bucks. Uh, so I think we can make a pretty safe assumption that Ragnar, when he's released by himself, will be $40. That's how much Mephiston costs and how much Tigurius costs. Uh, and then it comes with a set of 10 infiltrators, which is 60 bucks. So that's a total of 100 bucks. So your Space Wolf player is paying is getting $100 worth of stuff in a $170 box. Now, the orc player is kind of crazy because the knobs and the mega knobs together is $93. If you make a very low-ball guess that Gazgul will be a $60 model, which is about what Abaddon or uh, Rebute Gilliman cost, like, which I think is low. Like I think you could see Gaz being sold for $70 or $80 bucks by himself. Like, But even if you just say $60, that's $153. So like the orc side of the box is almost a fair value, but it's just stuff that you don't want or need. You just want the one model. It's bizarre. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, and I, you know, you, so you bring this up now, and I think about the, on the Age of Sigmar side, right? So you had um, the, the, um, Feast of Bones. No, so, so Feast of Bones. Oh, yeah, which, the ogre guy, right? Well, the, but that came out, and Vok Morshen, the character from the Ossiarch Bone Reapers, that came out in October, right? The miniatures were just released in February individually, which mm-hmm. isn't that far. I mean, and it's less time than uh, Drazar and Jane Zar got released, but that, um, you can go even further back to the Loon Curse box, which was yeah. the um, the Gloom Spike Gets and I'm losing it. I lost it. Sylvaneth. Right. And those, that box came out last two two Decembers ago. Mm-hmm. December of 2018. It was after Nova. And those miniatures, so the Loon Boss and the, the Arch Revenant also just got released in February. So I will it's, kind of, and, like, I'll I'll kind of defend thinking. that one. I'll well, I know that there were one, though, just production the issues with issues. the Sylvanish. Yeah, 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 yeah for yeah. sure. Yeah. But it just, it's another, like, pin in yeah, that, was, in that overall I was thinking issue. about it, too. Like, it kind of goes back to the um, uh, the Storm Rising, right? Like, the Rising Storm, or the, the end of 7th edition, when you had the box sets where it was, like, the three characters. And sometimes they were for, like, wildly disparate armies, yeah. And I get that that was kind of a little different because you had books that told a story with it. And so you could kind of be like, oh, well, I'll get these. And I'll be able to play the campaign. They're not necessarily like giving you a bunch of fat that you won't use. But right. still, it was kind of the start of the practice. Yeah, those were the triumvirate boxes, which we yeah. were actually able to split because you play Ultramarines. Jason had Dark Angels and I played Grey Knights. But right. that combination doesn't exist in every playgroup. Yeah, and like the Eldar one or the Inead one, like that was cool because that actually was three characters for the same faction, but sometimes they were just completely spread out. Um, So, yeah, I just think it's one of those things, like I get it, a company's got to make money and obviously nobody has to buy these things. It's a luxury. I'm sure somebody's going to come on the comment like, what are you complaining about? Like, you don't have to buy it. You can just wait. And I get that. But I don't think that just because I can wait to buy something doesn't mean that this is a, a customer-friendly business practice. I think it's actually really customer-unfriendly and pretty pretty crappy, in my opinion. Yeah. The ones that I'll defend is like when they're uh, when it's a new faction, right? Like yeah, you, you know the the Osiarch Bone Reapers. Like okay, like then put it out in a large kit because like they're. To me, like that's the introductory. Like, yeah, you're getting you're getting some ogres that you may not want, but the value is still there, and you can probably you know either sell them off or you at least have something to play against, right? Like, yeah. I'm fine if it's a brand new faction. Like, where I'm, this one rubs me like like the orcs. Like the orcs, there's nothing new in there, and even the space marines. Like now, those models have been out for some time, not super long. But if you're a space marine, yeah, like if you're a space marine player, you probably already have them. Um, so it just feels like 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 an add more. Um, but once again, like I've always been a fan of the boxes, and this this year it it does seem to be becoming a little bit much. 
Well, I think too, like, I think it's great to have these as an option. I just think it's really bad to have them as the only option. Like it's, like I said, it's captive. It's a captive audience. And like you think about the way that the um, A Song of Ice and Fire game is kind of set up as you can buy the box where it's two starter armies. So you and your buddy can go 50-50 on it and you have everything you need to play right out of the box. Or they've sold those starter sets as individual army themed boxes. And like, and they were at the same time, you know, like at the same point of sale, you could do one or the other. So you can make the choice of like, oh, I can either save a little money and get this double box and split it with somebody. Or if why pay 200 bucks for stuff that I'm not going to use when I can just pay, you know, 125 for the stuff that I actually want and giving the customer options, I think is such a better practice than what we've got yeah. here. And I think where it's a little bit lost, I mean, we just talked about in the opening how Trace and Jared loved that, you know, Feast of Bones, like the narrative play. And I think right now in the two large systems for GW, like that is the narrative play is kind of trying to find its place to, to live and thrive. Like it's still there. People still play narrative but it's not well-defined, and I think these boxes could be an opportunity to kind of ramp up that narrative play, like like leverage into it. Like, they do with the story, like, here's the stories, here's this, but, like, really, like, you're going to get a whole core of rules and missions that, you know, are going to tell a whole story arc uh, of that, and I don't know if they leverage it enough. Like, we know it's in there, but it's not, it, it really still comes down to, Oh, I want to get that model so I can incorporate it into a not narrative game. So just it feels like an afterthought. Like the, yeah, that's what I was going to say. Yeah, Annie. yeah. And like, and I think I think it's tough. It's a tough needle to thread on that front because like they have created a world where there are so many factions and so many storylines that you can't like we've we've wanted it. We believe that it could happen, but I just don't believe it can anymore. This this story that can actually functionally involve every faction is impossible. I just don't think it can ever happen in 40 K not in a satisfying way. And so like, if you're going to do story boxes, like it's always going to be somewhat alienating because it will only ever be one faction against another faction. But if you're doing that, like I think you just need to make the book the priority and then sell the book and then sell the book separately from a box set because, and don't put a brand new character in it. Like, like the story is great and the narrative play is great, but the incentive, we all know what the incentive is. The incentive is the brand new model and they just want to get you to pay a premium on that new model. Like that it's maybe I'm overly cynical, but to me that is clear as day is what they want. No, I would, I would agree with that, Danny. I think, you know they're they're putting them in the boxes because they know you want that model and they're like it's okay they'll buy it and it's fine if they want to put that other stuff on ebay or whatever they're still going to give us what we want which is money so well what if they want with something like this so like let's like so the can't this campaign is space wolves against orcs right and this is your starter set to you know like to the campaign here's the title there's a huge like like narrative rules you know rule book in here right and then whatever in you know in 60 days just so you know like these are these miniatures will be released for competitive play separately 
they will be like charged a premium. Like, so then it's not super long, but then like some of these train kits, they could tie into it. Right. So like they come out with this core box and then a month later you get whatever a uh, sisters of battle shrine. Let's say a wolf wolf priest shrine. And there will be an additional three missions that are included into this terrain kit, kind of like they do for for Kill Team or Warcry. But then to play these missions, you should also have these units. So like the army lists are pre-described. And then you could totally kick these kits into narrative focus. And then here's your supplements to carry that narrative going forward. So when you have two friends and I play you know, Space Marines or I play Space Wolves, and it's like, I really, really want this. Now I can go to Trace and be like, dude, let let like just buy in on the orcs, and then next month we'll come out and you like you. It's kind of like a slow grow, grow your army, um, mm-hmm. that has more substance behind it. And then it like we need. It's my opinion we need the differentiator from a narrative campaign to competitive. Well, once again, I think the models need to come out um, quicker for those plug and play like competitive players. Plus, it helps define what narrative play is yeah i still I, I still think that doesn't really solve the issue i think it's better i think it's more palatable that way but i think at the end of the day like what if you're a narrative player that has a collection of orcs and you already have that stuff and you have no need for 95 dollars worth of knobs and mega knobs and you just want the campaign book because you're like damn this is my lucky day this is the campaign with my faction that i've collected my whole life and i just want to be able to play this story but instead, I've got to play or pay another hundred dollars to buy stuff that I don't want when I could just buy a book and the new miniature that I want. No, I you're not wrong. You're not like wrong. that's just to me like that's the bigger thing. It's like they're just bundling these things, and it, there's just no there's no there's no agency for the customer. Like you have no choice. And mm-hmm. even if you did release them as a narrative game, and the competitive players are still going to buy those boxes. Yes. So like See, it doesn't solve it. It doesn't, and like, and that's kind of the crossroads that that those two game systems. Like I know we're specifically talking about 40k, but Age of Sigmar, you can kind of see it going this way too. The large scale battle games where you have choices of army construction. Like, you have to remember that GW sold whatever box it was a year ago. Like, uh, I, I don't remember. But let's just say it was the Necron and Mechanicus box that was roughly a year ago. Like, they have to comp those sales because they are a publicly traded company. And they like they have to show growth in their sales. And I understand I'm, I'm going, like, like, business here. But like if their if their sales weaken year over year, then they like their stock will either stay stagnant or slip, and that is no company's goal. So like they because they're a business, they paint themselves in this corner. So I like I get it, but they still have to offer a premium priced product, and that's why you're getting the rehashing of old models with the new stuff sprinkled in. Because it's the only way to show continuous growth. 
Yeah, I mean, I think I don't I don't agree with that. That's the only way to show continuous growth. I think that is a way that they've found effective to show continuous growth. But like, we're not an econ pod, so I don't want to necessarily get into that. <laughs> but I, I, I get it. Like, I get there's a business incentive. I just think that this my, my whole point about this is not so much that this is wrong in the sense of business is that it's wrong in the sense of the way that you treat a customer and that i think you could get easily as much money out of a customer by giving them the choices to buy what they want more frequently than forcing them to buy something they don't want less frequently like if i was able to buy a book a model and then, oh yeah, damn, you got those cool special dice and oh, some cards and stuff. Maybe I'll buy those. And next thing you know, maybe I have spent the same amount as a box set, but now I'm not saddlebagged with a bunch of models. I'm either never going to build or never going to paint or going to try to flog on eBay for 20 bucks and do that whole thing and go to FedEx and ship it and go through all that pain in the butt when I could just have what I want and just give you the money. Like I'm a willing customer. I want to spend money on your products. I just don't want to spend money on things I don't want. Yeah. I feel you. I feel you. That's a little outcast throwback. <laughs> Stankonia. I think that was 2000, 2001. Just as old as Dazar and Gazgul. I was going to say. As there old as Dazar. Nice. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is a callback. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry. I'm not trying to be a bummer, but it's just, it's just something that, that burned me the moment I saw it. I was like, this is some stuff. shocked you all into silence i know right you've done it well i uh i don't know unless you got unless you got one more soapbox to put up danny i think it's a good time to take a break and come back with the next section i'll just throw this cat amongst the pigeons creamy peanut butter is better than crunchy peanut butter deal with it people what Gentlemen, you have now been confined to your homes. Please find ways to entertain yourselves as much as possible. <laughs> so thankful for the internet. Okay, so, as Jared said earlier, today is March 18th, 2020. This is now day five of the um, government-recommended social distancing experiment um this is all in due to this is all due to the uh the widespread of the covid19 coronavirus that originated in wuhan china um and we have new challenges in front of us because we have always just been social beings right we gather we like to go to restaurants and eat we like to, you know, go out and meet our friends. We might go to concerts. We, as American people, are very, very social. So this has turned basically the whole country on its head um, in many ways. Um, economically, like it's just – it's a giant thing. But as it relates to this and what we do, 
um, we now have some unique challenges and opportunities to do um, either fun or, again, challenging things. So we're going to go through a couple things, and I just have a couple quick questions for you guys. So we'll start with uh, – well, we'll give Danny a break because Danny's been talking a lot. So we'll go with Jared. Jared, do you have any plans for what you're thinking about doing while we're in this mandatory social distancing experiment? Day five of social distancing. Yeah. Yeah. So no, I was. We were talking about that. Um, you know, at home. So Danielle and I were talking about it, and um, she is naturally introverted. So this is like, she's Heaven. like, this is perfect. Yeah. Like I only have to see the people that I want to, and I don't have to see anyone else. And I'm naturally an extrovert, and so like every day that I come into my recording studio slash hobby closet slash work from home office, I just die a little on the inside. Um, so uh, I think that it has facilitated my dive into Dungeons and Dragons, and um, mm-hmm. like just reading like the lore and about the classes because the last time I really played was 3.5 slash Pathfinder. And apparently, like, warlocks are a thing, and who knew? And, like, <laughs> tieflings are a standard class, and who knew that? Um, so what I would really like to get going is Dungeons & Dragons, and we can do that online. So Tabletop Simulator, you can kind of draw a map or set some up. There's community-created, um, like, dungeons that exist and tools for building dungeons. So that's an option. And then Roll20 is another online option for playing mm-hmm. RPGs uh, over the internet and uh, Roll20 is cool because it has built-in mic and video support so you don't and have you to can like, get your get... code on if you wanted to continue to do that. Yeah, that's true. Um, but so like that's one thing. Uh, the other thing is that we are continuing to operate under the assumption that Nova is going to happen. So for anybody that uh, you know is into gaming that has been following along um, you know all of the uh, major gaming conventions uh, for the next couple of months have been canceled. So Adepticon was kind of the big one, and that came at the last minute. I think that they were just waiting, um, you know, to follow the state of Illinois, but they did in fact cancel Adepticon. Um, and then Games Workshop recently announced that they will be canceling all major events, and then um, store events are being canceled in Games Workshop stores as well. And we are at the point now where none of the local gaming stores in the Raleigh-Durham area have their gaming areas open. So still open for retail, but there is no public gaming being done in friendly local gaming stores. So figuring out how to do things online um, is one thing. And then uh, Nova Prep. So operating under the assumption that Nova will happen at the uh, beginning of September uh yeah i'm gonna have a lot of time to build and paint some models so after playing age of sigmar with trace um i know that i am going to be bringing bone reapers so that helps me kind of plan purchases and things like that um and then the other thing is um trying to find stuff that Daniela and i can do together that doesn't involve going out to eat since we can't do that anymore um, so finding games to play um and things like that. So that's, uh, yeah. Awesome. Danny, what about you? You mean not going to the gym? 
<laughs> yes, our resident gym rat has had his privileges taken away. I hate it so bad, guys. It hurts. It stings. Everything sucks. That's, what that's how I feel when I go to the gym. We see him. <laughs> I'm gonna be, uh, you know, I'm gonna be from that big beefy, you know, like 170 pounds to like a really, really skinny, like 165 pounds. You know, <laughs> big, mm-hmm. big muscle man that I am. Uh, <laughs> in all seriousness, uh, been doing a lot of working from home, which is meaning that I spend a lot of time looking at this very same computer screen and that has made me not want to play my favorite MMO world of Warcraft very much lately because I just don't want to sit here and look at this computer screen for another series of time. (laughs) Uh, So I cranked out uh, all of the miniatures I needed for my Lord of the Rings uh, Nova stuff again, assuming that that's going to happen and um like I said, played Crisis Protocol with my beautiful wife. And then we have been uh, just watching a lot of TV because uh, I don't know why. I think Sarah's afraid of the outside. <laughs> our friend, uh, our neighbor was like, hey, let's play board games. And Sarah was like, can we can we do that? I was like, yeah, it's there's they live next door. Like, it's not a big Is deal. Is it a crowd of 10 or more people? Right. Like, is Roy Cooper going to break down the door like the Kool-Aid man and kick us out of the state? Like, no, it's fine. It's no big deal. Um, But uh, I I think uh, I think I can feel the stir crazy setting in over the last like 24 hours, which is probably why I spent not insignificant of time uh, researching how old some of those miniatures were. Um, But uh, hopefully it won't kill me. What a, didn't you and Sarah have plans to play like Pandemic, like the Legacy one where it has? Like, <laughs> why don't you do that? Like it feels it feels weird, man. I'm not gonna <laughs> lie, because <laughs> it was an yeah. idea. Because we we played uh, so Sarah and I have Pandemic Legacy Season One. We played it. You play twelve games. Each game is a month of a year as workers at CDC, stopping four pandemics from spreading around the world. Uh, and we played through the first three months, and then we got married, and life just got crazy from there. That's when we bought the house, and we went on our honeymoon, and all these things. And so it just kind of ended up sitting on the shelf, not because we didn't enjoy it. We were thoroughly enjoying it. Uh, and so we were like, well, you know, as the whispers of you know mandatory work from home and shut-ins started, we we're like, well, now's the time. We'll we'll get to play those other nine months. And I, every time I look at the box, I'm like, I don't, I don't feel right. This this feels weird, and I don't know why. I'm not usually that kind of person, but I I don't know. I'm not not jammed on it. I don't feel right. I don't feel right. Coming. Yeah, something feel right. feels wrong about it. Something, something doesn't feel right. I feel like uh, I feel like Ray Cooper might come through the the wall like the Kool Aid Man and kick me out of the state if I do that. Yep. yep. Totally get that, Jason. Hmm. Well, let me tell you something, you guys. I'm envious. I'm envious of all of you that get to sit at home and and just live my life because because I would love to just just do that all day every day. Um, you know we like this week has been tough. Like we like we have kind of quarantined this week. I have been able to work from home. Um, you know we'll call it one and a half days. Uh, you know we one of my children, my daughter was sick, so there was that whole wonderful scare. Uh, and it's funny that Danny's like, oh, just invite the neighbors over. So my daughter was one of, I guess we'll say lucky ones to receive a test because there's all those rumors flying around. Um, 
because my neighbor worked at a company in North Carolina that may have brought or been linked to some of the first cases of uh, coronavirus here in the state. So, you know, she came in contact with them. So luckily for us, like she did not, uh, is not a confirmed case of, of, of Corona. So we're just moving through this wonderful cold um, uh, or virus we'll call it cause it is a virus. It's just not the virus. Um, so, you know, had that disruption for me, but for the, my job, I'm in the service retail industry. Um, so being a leader there, I don't get to stay home. And the last two days I've been out really making sure that my team is, is doing the right thing by the public, making sure that we're, you know, wiping down, uh, all the contact points that our clientele come into contact with. And more importantly, making sure, um, keeping my finger on the pulse of just where my, my, you know, um, staff and team is at. So, I'm out there getting to see it firsthand. Uh, it's definitely a disruption to normal daily life. Um, but it has driven all my friends to be more online. So being the online midnight uh, warrior, uh, I've had the pleasure of, of spending three days uh, with Trace and Jared hobbying. And, and that is important. Like a hobby for me is very, very social. So I will definitely paint more. Um in the, in the coming weeks. And then, you know, we have the, the, the camera all set up for a bunch of Underworlds cam games. Uh, we'll definitely be doing that. And a little leery on this D20 uh, project we got going on. But, hey, I'm going to give it the good old college try and kill something. Hopefully, I don't know. I'm pretty good at rolling 20, so hopefully that happens. Um, yes, we've seen this firsthand. <laughs> uh, so I'm looking. I'm looking forward to all that, and I mean, like honestly, like I haven't fired up a video game, you know, since like a week ago now. So during the quarantine, uh, it's been it's been nice, like for to have that everyone coming together online, and you know, like Jared said, there's there's a lot of things uh, that we that you can do to stay hobby uh, focused and just break up the monotony of the day. Uh, we will eventually have to cross the the path of what Sarah and I do together um, because my wife is a germaphobe. So for those of you that don't know, she she hates the germs and overreacts a little bit to some stuff, although she's handled this week fairly well. Uh, so not being able to get out of the house and like, you know, go to a movie and go to dinner, we're definitely going to have to find some some shared interests because uh Whatever that show, Love Is Blind, is is done. We watched that. So what what do we do now? Is the season over? I hadn't watched well, the end of it yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, we finished the reunion show. Thank the Lord. Sarah was watching it today while she worked. I was like, oh jeez. It's it's oddly captivating. It's really strange. Listen, I'm I sure. can, it I sounds can, interesting. I can watch any reality junk TV. As long as it makes my wife happy, uh, this one is fine because they, you know, mask it as an experiment. Um, but there were at some points I'm just like, please just gouge my eyes out. But then so there were some things. Watch with her because I just make fun of all the reality TV because I'm really good at keeping my mouth shut. 
So it usually lasts about 30 seconds. And then she's like, you got to go. And I'm always like, oh, no, don't do that. Please. Don't. don't kick me out. I really need this. As I'm like halfway up the stairs. Mm. Okay. So for me, um, I am kind of in the same boat as Jared and Danny. Um, so anybody who listens and knows kind of what I do, I work for UNC Healthcare. And the department that I work for, we basically go in and we optimize like physicians' um, practices to make sure that their the Epic functions the best way that it can for them as far as like scheduling and appointments and efficiency goes. So we have been in high gear since the beginning of this um, this event. As I'll, as I'll call it. Um, I have probably set up 350 providers with video visits so that they can actually see patients remotely, um, whether those are follow-up patients or whatever. So it's, it's a, I was talking to Jason and Jared about this the other day, but it's, it's odd because you hear all this talk about how people are worried about how they're going to pay their bills and stuff. I'm like, God, I'm, I have nothing to worry about. And it's just, it's just a strange, it's a strange dichotomy, right? To, to hear, like to see the economy and all this other stuff going weird. And then me being like, I'm good. Like I have nothing to worry about. My job is safe. And it's just, it's just odd. Um, so I've been kind of coming with to grips with that because my wife is a school teacher and or not a teacher but she's a school psychologist. She would kill me if I, if I heard she heard me say that. <laughs> um, oh, I'm sound clipping and sending to her now. Thanks. Um, <laughs> she's a school psych, so they've been you know schools are suspended right now and yeah. possibly till the end of the school year. So um, she's coming to grips with like how how she will get paid. And they've, you know, talked to her about that and she's supposed to log her hours and do all this other stuff. So it's very, it's very interesting to see how the different, you know, talking to Jason, Jason has a very different perspective on how this is impacting like what he does and what it does from my wife and what it does for Jared's wife because she's in healthcare too. And so it's just very, it's very strange and different. Um, it's been interesting to kind of view it and not know what's going to happen. Right. Um, so I'm working from home. Our, our department has, has told us that we are working on home at home and until further notice. So that could be two weeks and that could be two, three months. Who knows? Um, so, but that being said, I'm with Danny and Jared that I've been sitting in front of this same computer many, many hours a day. And so that's really, really sparked me wanting to paint consistently um, because it gets – it. I might still be at this computer talking to these fellas right here, but I'm not like actively messing on the computer. I'm, play, I'm painting and basically getting my hobbies in. in. So that's been a top priority for me is to, to unplug a little bit and do that. Um, I have also, since we're going to be trapped indoors for a while, I've been researching really, really popular and upcoming board games. 
um, which we will get to in a minute. Um, but so that's a plan of mine is to, to play more games with Jenny um, to try and get her more involved in, you know, getting away from the TV and doing some other stuff because we can all get into a rut with that. Um, and then painting as many price, crisis protocol miniatures as I can while I'm at home. That's a big plan of mine. Um, and also trying to figure out what is going to pair well with Jared's um, with Jared's Bone Reapers at Nova. Um, we've been tossing around some ideas. I think last year we went for like the hyper thematic list. And this year I think we'll kind of lean more on mechanically how what we think might work well. Um, so we might see some weird janky pairings like Bone Reapers and Zinch or Bone Reapers and three Stone Horns. Who know? Who knows? So um, those are those plans are still in the works. And then you know, trying to hang out with you guys and 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 just enjoy the distanced hangout time. Um, so those are kind of my goals. Um, and I'm also wanting to try and get in more games with james and try and interest introduce him more to like board games and stuff too so that's kind of one of my goals um so that's our plans kind of in a nutshell for what we're thinking about doing while we're in behind closed doors um so board game recommendations is what we're going to talk about next so to this i will start it off with the king danny <laughs> do you have any recommendations for anybody who's listening to this about what board games that you're interested in playing right now? And I think I know one of them because we played it. Um, but things that you can do with just your significant other or um, with a small group of friends, less than 10. Make sure it's less than 10. <laughs> what happens if your um, family – like what if you have like an 11-person family? Well – Uncle Bobby needs, needs to sit outside. You got to take back turns. in the face, Timmy. Yep. So, yep. <laughs> Hit us, Danny. Hit us with that with that lean, uh, lean board game knowledge. Well, so I uh, once you guys start talking about this in the group chat earlier today, I tried to just distill it down to what did I think was like out of my collection of games, the one game that I thought had the best mixture of approachability, replayability, and uh, low cost of uh, buy-in. And that got me to Flamme Rouge, which is one of my favorite games of all time. Uh, you guys have played it with me. It is a lovely little racing game uh, for up to four people. So if you are the average American nuclear family, just enough characters for you. Uh, each player takes control of two fun little tiny plastic bicyclists uh, and a deck of cards for each cyclist. And you race each other by drawing cards. So you draw a hand of four cards out of your deck and you pick which card each cyclist will use. And those cards have a number. So if it's a five, that cyclist moves five spaces. If it's a two, that cyclist moves two spaces. Uh, but the rub is, is that you want to keep your little bike boys as close to each other as possible because they will draft 
And if they are close to each other, they are just good and good and plenty. They're ready to go. But if they get separated, they start taking fatigue, which means you put little red cards in your deck that have just one on them. And so your bike boys get tired and don't go as fast. And mom and dad run away from you and you feel like an idiot because mm-hmm. you lost the race. Um, but it's really great. Super easy. Rules can be explained pretty much like that in five minutes or less. Uh, it has a great replayability because you build a track and you can build that track in, I think it's like six different configurations. And there are additional um, like rules modules in there. So you can use hills and you can uh, use cobblestones, which kind of change the rules. So the game changes. You can play it a couple different times and it, it's never the same once. And the piece de resistance is, is only $30. Uh, Ooh, nice. So it doesn't cost much. It's a little hard to find. You definitely have to go to your local game store. You're not going to be able to find it at Target. Uh, if you're lucky enough to still get Amazon deliveries, they do have it there right now as well. Uh, for I think like 32 bucks but in general you can find it for around 30 bucks and it is a smashing time for all nice awesome that's a great recommendation and I can vouch for that because I have played it with you and it is a lot of fun very simple (laughs) Um, Jason do you have any board game recommendations sir oh my I get to go next oh certainly sir um, is your game to be a old Southern Belle? Is that what's going on? Oh yes, I do uh, declare over God. <laughs> uh, no, for, so for me, I went with a little different. Like I think that this sparked, a, you know, my mind as well. Is like, okay, so what do you do? That's not electronic entertainment. Um, and when it comes to board games, like Sarah's not involved, so. Um, you know, we have a bunch of kids games and I'm going to throw this one out there because this is the, the, the most fun that we have playing and we play it probably like once a week, once every week. I may have mentioned it once before, but it's called pass the Panda and it's literally like just this little dice game. So we play with three people, like, although Aiden the other day started rolling dice and it was super cute, but anyway, that's near here or there. So three people, I'm a, myself, Sarah, you get six dice a piece. On these dice, there's pandas, there's waters, and there's bamboo symbols, and then there's a blank side. You roll your six dice. If you get, uh, you know, a water, the dice is immediately eliminated from the game. Uh, if you roll a bamboo, you kind of put that off to the side, and those dice are presented to the next player to roll. Uh, blanks go back in your hand, and if you get a panda, you can pass that panda to any other player that you would like. Um, so it becomes this whole, like, do you like mommy or daddy more type game? So that's kind of fun. Um, and then, so then the next person will roll. And if they roll uh, equal to or greater than the amount of bamboo that has been presented to the next person, the original player to roll those bamboo, keep them. If you do not, so let's say Emma rolled two and then Sarah goes next and she rolls one. Sarah would get one of those dice that were bamboo and it goes into her dice pool. Um, but then because Sarah rolled one, she would present that bamboo to me and I'd have to do the same and so on and so forth. And the object of the game is to have, like, be the first play, player to have no dice. Um, you know, it takes a couple minutes to play. So being in lockdown, like you might not be able to fill up like, you know, two, three hours with it. But we normally play three or four times and it takes a good half an hour to 45 minutes just to to get through that because we like to roll dice and and have a little fun. So that's my recommendation for family. But for me, what I'm, what I want to do um, is play assassin execution force. So 
Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's a 40K game. I normally take it when we go on vacation because, once again, I can't get anybody to play my, my type of games with me. Um, but, you know, I'm here, and, you know, if, if the Internet does go away, I don't know why it would, but if it does, uh, you know, I'll throw that down on the board and, and play. So that is a 40K game. You play as the Assassins. Uh, the four assassins and the mechanic is, you know, you're fighting uh, cultists and an evil uh, space green uh, sorcerer, and you're trying to stop this ritual that's happening. The the game drives itself, so you make all the you can play it solo and make all the decisions as the enemies are driven by a combat system. Um, and then the other thing that I'm I'm looking at picking up uh, is Zombicide. Um, the space one, and I can't remember the, that. Invader. Digital. Invader. I think that's um, the title. So beside the space one. Yeah, yeah that yeah. sounds right. Yeah, yeah, it would be one. awesome if it was. <laughs> Zombicide, um, the space one. Yep. You know, I should have backed that when it was in Kickstarter. I did not, just because we have so many games to play. But I think a game like that, uh, for me, would be beneficial in times like these, where I can throw down a, something that there's a little more grit, and you can kind of, you know, spin into a mini campaign style, um, have a little more character flavor. Um, so I know that Atomic has that game. I've looked at it a, a couple of times. Um, so I may may uh, pick that up at some point, depending on how long this lasts. So Awesome. Nice. Awesome. Great. All right, Jared, you're up. Uh, yeah, What's so I will... I will just just go back like I don't know like six minutes and pretend like it's me talking about past the panda. Um, okay. But but yeah, so that's my definitely my recommendation for family games. Um, super simple. Um, Jason described the entire gameplay in his description, which is pretty key. Um, as far as kind of other board games, did they really take your game? And I didn't see that. My bad, yo. No, I don't think I wrote. I don't think I put that out in the group chat. Um, I was, it was going to be like a backup to throw out for families anyway. So you're good. No worries. Um, so I kind of have two. Um, one of them is Splendor, which is by Asmodee, which is the parent company of Atomic Mass Games, which makes Crisis oh. Protocol. Mm-hmm. Um, and the premise of the game is that you are trying to build the best um, gem jewelry empire. And the way that you do this is by... Um, getting currency and then collecting assets. So those assets could be a mine, it could be a jeweler, it could be a market, whatever the case is. And the way it plays out is that the currency is different colored gem tokens and then the assets are different colored gem cards and you kind of build combos and and play the game out in that way um, to get points which are on the assets in order to build the best market um, there are other combos involved where you can attract a noble by building like a specific combo of cards. So like three of one color, three of another, and three of a third, or two sets of four cards. Um, but the, the gameplay is simple, and it is quick. Um, and you can get into some really interesting situations where a certain color doesn't come up, and that causes like a starvation. And so now you're really playing against your opponent instead of playing like two parallel games. Uh, and it's a lot of fun. My wife and I play it a ton. Um, and it's pretty cheap. I think it's like $35. Um, so that's one. If you're looking for one that's got a lot of replayability, um, then I would recommend Dominion. And so this is a 
I can't remember how they it's kind of like a it's like a living card game. So it's all about cards and you build a deck as you play the game so you can purchase cards and as you build a deck the idea is to score the most points like any other game but each card does a different thing so one card may let you buy more things uh one card may let you give your opponent a curse card which is like negative points another card may let you draw a card and then play another card so there's lots of different mechanics involved but what's great about it is that one box comes with enough cards that you can create um you know like dozens of different games to play um so there's a lot of replayability there so um i enjoy both of those a lot and that i think i feel like there's going to be a lot of of that being played um as we sit around the house so what about you trace awesome um so i'm gonna start something simple because this is something that i know that jenny and i already play and we haven't played it as often as we used to but that is a classic ticket to ride um you build your train make sure that you make the most connections and um so ticket to ride for those who don't know you're you're basically building it's a it's a train building game where you're trying to connect different cities to each other um, and you draw you draw up these connections at the beginning of the game. If you complete that connection, you can um, opt to pick another connection, but you run the risk of potentially not being able to complete that connection. Um, you score bonus points for longest train and stuff like that. Um, but basically, it comes down to do you want to try and just do your own thing or do you want to try and mess with your other players? Um, so you can put like one little car in between like in, in the connection where you think somebody might be going and kind of play that disruption game, which is, it, it can make for some tense dinner table moments with your spouse. Um, but <clears throat> you know, it's, it's a really, really great game. Super simple. Not very expensive. I think it may be like $45 or something like that. Um, so that's the oldie but goodie that I know we probably will play. Um, I got gifted a a fun little card game that I actually haven't played yet, which is Game of Thrones Hand of the King, made by Fantasy Flight Games. I have no idea what it's about but I know it's like super simple. It's like a tile game. Um, I brought that out last, I brought that out tonight to try and like, just look over the rules a little bit. Um, I don't know it well enough to describe it, so I won't do the disservice to the game of trying to do that on the air. Um, you know what they say? Hmm. The king eats. The hand. <laughs> he does. Yeah. So yeah. Um, maybe that's what the game is about. Little poo emojis. Probably. Mm, maybe. Probably. probably. Well, well, that, that's unfortunate since no one has toilet paper. <laughs> this is true. This is true. Um, or diapers. Then, or diapers. And then oh. finally, one game that has been kind of at the top of my list of things to get that I haven't bought yet. And I know Danny will probably squeal a little bit when I tell him what I'm thinking about getting, which is Terraforming Mars. Um, so good. So... That's a game that's been on my radar for a little while. 
Um, and I think Jenny would actually get into it. She likes kind of those kind of games too. So those are my three picks. Terraforming Mars, you're basically trying to terraform Mars. Like you're trying to build an economy in Mar- on Mars and different players can put more emphasis on certain parts of the economy and building a stable stable environment. So that's what that's that game's about in a nutshell. Um, really, really interesting. Really, really interesting. It's kind of an expensive game. It's like $79 retail. Um, you can get it at some of the local game stores around here for like 55, something like that. So, um, I'll probably be looking to pick that up eventually. Um, and then if possible, and if we are all still, Contagion free. I'd like to get some games of tabletop games of Warcry games in too. So um, I don't think my wife will probably want to play with me there, but my sister might. So that'll be interesting. Um, so those are our kind of board game recommendations. Um, and I actually think that we have one little other thing that we wanted to try and do. Um, which were like a like a board game challenge. I know we had talked about that. <laughs> um, Danny, do you want to kind of tell us a little bit about that at all? Yeah, I think everybody should challenge themselves wherever you are. If you're in your nerd bunker right now and you're hunkered down and you're stroking your neck beard and you're you're cleaning your paints, do you? The, we already established that my camera is not hooked up. Like that's what you think. God, do it. <laughs> nice me undies, buddy. <laughs> uh, but in all seriousness, I think every single gamer should take what I'm calling the wifey poo challenge or partner poo, whatever you want. Uh, it's 2020. I don't care. But take your partner, sit them down at the table, and play a play a tabletop game with them. Not a board game. Play a tabletop game. Whether it's just like one unit of Space Marines versus another unit of Space Marines, just do it. Just be like, look, we're doing it. We've got 24 hours on this day and another 24 after that. And who knows how long. Kids are in school until middle April anyway. So who knows when we're going back. So we're doing this thing. And see how it goes. It's Even if it's a disaster, it's at least a slice of life. And you'll have that moment. And then later you'll be able to laugh. And be like, hey, remember that time that we did that thing and your head spun? Or remember that time we did that thing and you absolutely slaughtered me? Like, it's a win-win for everybody. Do it. Play a game with your partner. I double dog dare you. Hashtag tabletop challenge. Tabletop challenge. Do it. I like Do it. it. Gentlemen. Your curfew is now arrived. It is time to close your doors, and we will move on to the next segment. And we're back, and that will round us out for the show. Uh, We appreciate you joining us in day five of our quarantine. Uh, As always, we want to say thanks for listening. Uh, We appreciate the likes and comments that we're getting on Facebook, the, uh, the um, kind of the slow growth in our Discord server. Um, so Yeah, not anymore. Know. It's been it's super active with the quarantine, so yeah, please come true. join us. Yeah, yeah. So, so we have a Discord server. Uh, the link to it will be in the show notes. Um, you can also find the link to it on our website. So uh, the website is 
podcast.battle-mallet.com. Um, you can find us on Facebook. We're Battle Mallet Podcast. We are Battle Mallet One on Twitter, Battle Mallet Pcast on Instagram. Uh, so you can find us there. Uh, as always, you know, we'd like to ask you to give us the the reviews and subscribes on whatever uh, podcast platform you're using. Uh, it just helps our content get out to the greater, wider world. So yeah, um, you guys keep an eye out for hashtag Tabletop Challenge. Um, you know, challenge. We're laying the gauntlet down. You know, grab your roommate, your your partner that has never played a tabletop game or has played one before, and throw them down in front of a new one and let us know how it goes. Uh, we'd love to hear about it. So for the Battle Mallet Podcast, uh, we are three dads and a soapbox hero. <laughs> yeah. This is Jared signing out. <laughs> This is Trey signing out. This is Danny. Go bake some bread, people. It's flour, water, yeast, salt, and heat. Do it. It's easy and delicious. You always with your strange, strange references. And I'm Jason Table New Murray. Stay safe out there, everyone. And get the hell out of here. Peace. Protected under the Creative Commons license. If you have further questions as to its use, you can find more information via links on podcast.battle-mallet.com. Music by Anno Domini Beats. Butter isn't called butter with chunks. It's butter. It's creamy and smooth. Creamy peanut butter is peanut butter. Crunchy peanut butter is peanut paste.